Sisyphus is an interesting figure in Greek mythology. Part 1. Who the fuck is Sisyphus? Sisyphus was the founder and first king of Corinth. King Sisyphus promoted navigation and commerce, but was noted for being extremely deceitful. He killed guests and travelers in his palace, a violation of Xenia, which fell under Zeus's domain. That was the, the ancient Greek practice of you always take care of your guests, break bread with them, that kind of thing. Throughout Greek mythology, you'll always find that breaking that rule, man, the gods really hate that stuff. He took pleasure in these killings. To him, it was a way of solidifying his iron grip on Corinth. In one story, Sisyphus was extremely hateful towards his brother, Salmonius. Sisyphus traveled all the way to the Oracle of Delphi. Yes, that famous Oracle of Delphi who everybody in Greek mythology goes to but never really listens to. Sisyphus wished to kill his brother without incurring the wrath of the gods, as killing one's own family was seen as the worst possible crime you could do. Uh, so bad, in fact, that even cases in Greek mythology where people unknowingly killed a family member, gods got pissed off about it. The oracle told him that if Salmonius had a son, his son would dethrone and kill him. Sisyphus seduced Salmonius' daughter, Tyro. Yes, it was Sisyphus's niece. Believe me, this isn't the worst case of incest in Greek mythology. So anyway... Tyro bore him a son, and no one seemed to have a problem with it. Until, of course, Tyro discovered that Sisyphus's true intentions were. She killed the child in horror. Some sources say that she had multiple children, killed them all, and either way, she killed her kids because she found out what his true goal was. Zeus then ordered Thanatos, who is basically just the Grim Reaper of Greek mythology, uh, the chained Sisyphus in Tartarus. Sisyphus was curious as to why Charon, whose job it was to guide souls to the underworld, had not appeared on this occasion. Sisyphus slyly asked Thanatos to demonstrate how the chains worked. As Thanatos was granting him this his wish, Sisyphus seized the opportunity and trapped Thanatos in the chains instead. Once Thanatos was bound by the strong chains, no one on Earth died for a long period. This caused a, a real serious uproar, and somebody you wouldn't typically expect, Ares. Ares, the god of war, got really annoyed that his battles had lost their fun because his opponents wouldn't die. People started, you know, going to war against each other, and massive battles would go on, and nobody would die. The exasperated Ares freed Thanatos and turned Sisyphus over to him. Before Sisyphus died, he had told his wife to throw his naked body into the middle of the public square, uh, purportedly as a test of his wife's love for him. This caused Sisyphus to end up on the shores of the river Styx. Then, he had this rotting corpse of a, a body that his soul you know, was walking around with, um, he complained to Hades that this was a sign of his wife's disrespect for him. Sisyphus persuaded him to allow him to return to the upper world. Sisyphus' spirit traveled back to Corinth and his wife. When Sisyphus refused to return to the underworld, 
he was forcibly dragged back there by the messenger of the gods himself, Hermes. Famously, as punishment for cheating death, Sisyphus was told that if he could roll a large boulder up a steep mountain, he would be brought back to life again for good. Every day, Sisyphus would push and push and push the boulder. His muscles burning and sweat pouring as he struggled. But just before he reached the top, the boulder would suddenly fall back all the way down to the bottom. Every time. Every single time. Sisyphus would think he was just about to get the boulder up there. Then it would fall. And he would have to start all over again. This would go on for all eternity. Part 2. The Absurd Now, Albert Camus was a French philosopher who, honestly, he kind of embodies everything you imagine when you hear the term French philosopher. Like, I imagine he was a big fan of the traditional French breakfast, which as I'm sure we are all aware, is a cigarette and a cup of black coffee. Um, No flavor to the coffee, absolutely none. Camus wrote a lot of his famous stuff around the 1940s when France fell during the Second World War. He watched thousands of French citizens flee from the war and have their entire lives basically flipped upside down in front of them. Uh, And it inspired a lot of his work. Camus wrote his book, The Myth of Sisyphus, where he set out to answer what he considered the only important question in philosophy. Does the realization and the meaningless and absurdity of life necessarily require suicide? I'm going to do an absolutely horrific dumbing down of the book. It's, it's really, it's interesting. But Camus basically comes to the conclusion that life is completely meaningless. Like Sisyphus, we constantly strive and work but it is all for nothing in the end. No matter what great deeds we commit or works we raise, we all die in the end. Every day, we draw closer to our own deaths. From an objective viewpoint, separate from our own egos, life is truly meaningless. So, if life is meaningless, shouldn't the logical thing be to simply die. Basically just kill ourselves as a species. Camus points out that we can run as fast as we can, but we never truly escape death. He calls this struggle the absurd. However, that is where the contradiction lies. For if all mankind simply gave up and died, then the absurd would no longer exist. So what do we do? We scream into the universe, begging for meaning, yet it answers back with silence. Quote from the myth of Sisyphus, The workman of today works every day in his life at the same task. And this fate is no less absurd, but it is tragic only at the rare moments when it becomes conscious. And here we come back to Sisyphus. Camus is extremely interested in what Sisyphus must think every time he reaches the top of that mountain and the boulder rolls back down. Quote from the myth of Sisyphus again, It is during that return, that pause, that Sisyphus interests me. 
A face that toils so close to stones is already stone itself. I see that man going back down with a heavy yet measured step toward the torment of which he will never know the end. Acknowledging the truth will conquer it. Sisyphus, just like the absurd man, keeps pushing. Camus claims that when Sisyphus acknowledges the futility of his task and the certainty of his fate, he is free to realize the absurdity of his situation and to reach a state of contented acceptance. With a nod to the similarly cursed Greek hero Oedipus, Camus concludes that, quote, all is well indeed that one must imagine Sisyphus happy. And it is the same with our own lives. We strive and we work and feel the sweat of our brow pour down, but in the end, what does it matter? We all die. We all embrace the void of nothingness in the end. But it is in that lack of meaning in life that we can find our freedom. Step back. In realizing the absurdity of existence, man can finally set, feel at peace. No pain can hurt him. No envy sicken him. He does not want or need because he knows that we are all just dust and to dust we will return. Part 3. How the fuck does this apply to me? We live in a current world where many people believe themselves to be different or even above that of any other living being. However, when we truly look at our psychology, our physical science, and even our own history, we can realize all that is a lie. We are animals. For most of our history, we existed like animals. The agricultural revolution happened about 10,000 years ago. That may sound like a long time. I mean, we barely have history from five, 6,000 years ago. But know that what is often called the cognitive revolution happened about 70,000 years ago, where human beings uh, basically established the, the complexity of the brain that we have now, um, cognition, and, and the ability to imagine things and if you really want to stretch back to see how different humans who biologically really were not that different from us lived uh, potentially you could go back to homo habilis about three million years ago so here's this thing we call civilization which started when we established what writer daniel quinn refers to in his numerous books as totalitarian agriculture yet we think it is an integral part of human nature. Where for hundreds of thousands of years we lived as nomadic hunter-gatherer people, similar to the animals who coexisted with us and who even hunted us on certain occasions. I want to make another video talking about my fascination with ancient humans and my thoughts on our existence, but my point here is this. The society and culture we live in does not match our biology. Our diet is supposed to be mostly made up of nuts, fruits, vegetables, and occasional wild meat. Yet we are force-fed cereal grains like corn, wheat, and rice, and the meat we consume does not come from natural sources but from tortured souls on mass production farms. When we look at these farms filled with chickens that are so fat they can't properly live in nature, 
we're sheep that are so overcome by the the wool because of genetic modification over centuries that they can't naturally exist in the world we we forget that these these are living beings that we are abusing and and taking advantage of we think that material wealth will bring us happiness but as Yuval Noah Harari talks about uh, both in his book Sapiens and the sequel Homo Deus, uh, that evolution has made it so that physically accumulating wealth and it gives us short spikes in happiness, but that happiness diminishes. True, long-term happiness instead, and this is shown by studies done on the psychology of it, is found through the establishment of emotional connections with a small tribe. We as a species were raised in these small groups where we built emotional and mental bonds with our friends and family around us. Instead, in this modern day, we are simply cattle shuffled through an unnatural system, believing that this unnatural system somehow makes us like that of gods. That is why it is called totalitarian agriculture. Because man took nature and the fruits of the world and attempted to claim dominance on it. That's why every religion and ideology that claims it can give you happiness focuses on establishing small groups and realizing your place in the universe. That is why we are like Sisyphus. For every day we roll our boulder up the mountain. Every day we look at the future and think, if I could just reach that peak, if I could just get that house, if I could just make it, big on the internet, yet these bits of happiness will fade. Our boulder will continue to tumble down and we will always be back to square one. But Camus brings up that if life is pointless, what, what is the point of it all? Well, I think it's comical that a lot of people could probably tell you what it is. It, it seems like the answer is right there in front of us, uh, yet few actually try to live it. In fact, some actively wish to try and take this source of happiness and twist it to those totalitarian needs. Love, kindness, health. Every religion preaches it, every ideology discusses it, and every rich celebrity says that it is the true answer. But if you walk up to the average human and ask them if they would be willing to give up everything and instead pursue loving other people, they probably would throw thousands of excuses and reasons why they can't and i felt compelled to make this because i feel like the world needs to know that you can we are at a strange crossroads in world history i used to think that our society the entire world would need to and will burn to the ground due to ecological collapse we needed some kind of species restart in order to find that happiness again. But my thoughts have changed. I still think that ecological collapse is still a distinct possibility and would lead to a restart of the human race, but I, I think we also created a new path for ourselves through the advancement of technology. Totalitarian agriculture was started because we wanted to rebel from the gods. We wished to live by our own rules instead of theirs. I'll probably make a separate video explaining more of what I mean by this, but know that this world is not natural. Don't 
focus on the material. Focus on the love and passion and beauty that is around you. Build your tribe. Don't just live, thrive.